You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good morning. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings, and I'm in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for September 11th, episode 3251. You know, 22 years ago today at this hour, all of you that were alive remember where you were and what you were doing. Every year we remember, and the next bit of sound could be triggering for some. If so, we'll take a slight pause while you hit the fast-forward button 60 seconds. Two airplanes have crashed into the World Trade Center in an apparent terrorist attack on our country. I did chat with my my son about it. You know, he's ten. They weren't there. It's like ancient history for people that weren't weren't yeah, alive. Be, and right. and I have this um, thing that I have that it, it's it, it, like a timeline. Eight forty six, the North Tower was struck. Nine hundred three, the South Tower. Nine thirty seven, Pentagon. Nine fifty nine, South Tower collapses. Ten oh seven, Flight ninety three crashes in Pennsylvania. Ten twenty eight, the North Tower collapses. It was just one of those. And and trying to explain to him, I'm like, you don't like trying to explain to him what the world was going through at that time. It's just, I mean, everybody remembers where they were, and it's not it's not important. I mean, just it's important to you and your story of nine eleven, and uh, just just I think it's important to never never forget and to play that every year. I think it's part of it, and I hope nobody fast forwarded it because it was it was a thing. It was like when the the world changed that day. It's like the air got sucked out of the country. You know how when you lose your breath when you fall? Yeah. It was like that for the country and the world, for that matter. But, just utter yeah. chaos. Just utter chaos. So you guys, be go out and be nice to somebody today. Do something nice for somebody. And that's what you can do on 9-11. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that. And you were back in Atlanta. Were you in Atlanta when 9-11 happened? I was on the radio yeah. at the exact moment. And I remember watching the first plane hit the tower and I was in a news and traffic center. So the place just went bananas and I called, I mean, I I know probably about 10 people whose memory is of me calling them. And because I was like, mom, I don't know where you are, but you have to turn on the TV. This is just one of those things. And I was in a high rise in Atlanta. And I remember my brother going, get out of there, get home, come home right now. And I'm like, I can't, somebody has to tell everybody about it. So yeah, it was it was just nuts. Yeah, you were you were you were dealing with it firsthand, really. Yeah, I, yeah. 
And we heard about it, ironic, that Jennifer and I were driving at that moment into town for something and heard about it on the radio. The radio is the first place we heard about it. Yep, yep. That's, that was, radio that was, was a thing back then. <laughs> that was us. People actually listened to the radio in 2001. Well, um, today we're going we're gonna to have a very interesting conversation with a guy named Raymond White. He's the brother of Cheryl White, who was the first uh, black female jockey. And he's going to tell us about his new book, The Jockey and Her Horse, inspired by the true story of the first black female jockey, Cheryl White. I can't wait to talk to him about that. Uh, I'm going to share uh, my favorite new product of WISA. I did a quick interview with the inventor. I'm going to bring that to you today. And we're, we, we, we don't have really bad ads. Why did I have really bad ads written here today? We have a uh, question for you. You read problems, what's right? written just like I do. Yes. You read what's written. First world problems, okay. equestrian version. So they had some. The auditors still have problems. Uh, we'll get to those. Plus, in the post show, we're going to talk about your trip to Atlanta and uh, yeah. your, your baseball weekend. I did. I had a baseball weekend, and I'm going to give you the origin story. Of Jamie Steele. That's right. <laughs> Coming up in today's post show. We have some auditor birthdays today. Tiana Vestry, uh, Tessa Heyman, Rachel Lauks, and April Hardiman. Also, we have a brand new auditor we want to thank for joining, and that's Mel Foxworth. Welcome to the group, and we appreciate you, your support of the Horse Radio Network. Also, we want to encourage you and remind you that it's Tell-A-Friend Month, so please do tell everybody at your barn, post on social media. I'll be posting some things up today that you can share uh, on our Horses in the Morning Facebook page uh, and in the auditor room today, so definitely tell everybody about the show. That's how we grow and it's free it's simple and it's easy to do spread the word well i would like to give my daily winnie to delta airlines that's right yeah don't okay so I was booked on my husband's airline and I got on the plane and I was like, you know, with my son, 10 years old, and we're in the very, very last seat by the bathroom. And so all is normal. They taxi out and the plane stops and doesn't take off and sits on the runway for an hour. Okay. An hour. Then they taxi us back to the gate where we then sit for another hour and a half. So two and a half hours on this plane, when we taxi back to the gate, they turned off the engine because I guess there was something wrong on the checklist and they needed to have the engines turned off. And, and, and it was Atlanta and it was hot and it was two and a half hours sitting in a plane the last hour and a half with no air conditioning. Glenn, I mean, I was drenched from the top of my back all the way to like sitting in a pool of sweat. People Jennifer are fanning themselves. 
It was it was crazy. Well, they they decided, okay, ladies and gentlemen, we're gonna have to deplane because it's so hot in here. And so they start to deplane, and then like all of a sudden the air conditioning comes on, and I was like, is the engine on? Can we not deplane? Can we go? And the flight attendant who was like twelve was like, <laughs> um, so like I just realized that I have to open these like vent things because they attach air conditioning, and like I opened them and. Oh my God, it's like so cool in here. And I was like, I'm I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I might kill you. Just so throw anyway, around the plane. <laughs> uh, so we were supposed to land in Dallas. And the cool thing was Chad was on a trip and he was gonna fly from Dallas to Oklahoma City on his schedule. So we were actually gonna be on his flight. Okay, which was gonna be awesome. We just happened to catch Chad in the middle of a flight. So we missed that. Obviously, we are screwed. And at this point, we're looking at the flights because I fly standby. There are no, even if we get to Dallas on this plane, at this point, we've missed our only chance to get back to Oklahoma City. There's nothing. Everything is completely full for the next two days. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to call Glenn and I'm going to not <laughs> do the show. I was like, oh, I'm going to Uber from Dallas to Oklahoma City, which is going to take like you know, $300. It's crazy. I was like, this is going to suck. So we are standing in the terminal again after completely being drenched in sweat. And Chad's like, okay, I see that there's a Delta flight that is, we can look at other flights, but you don't know what the loads are on the flight. So he's like, it would be taking a chance if you want to go over to from Terminal T over to Terminal D, go Which run Atlanta through the airport. Which in Atlanta is about a 12-mile walk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, uh, a train ride for six hours, and, and you have 30 minutes. So Lucas and I are like, we're going to do it because we might, even if we You're get already on sweating, plane, we're screwed <laughs> and we're already drenched. So might as well. So we start to hustle and we hustle through the airport and we get to this gate and Chad has booked us on it while we're running and we get to this gate. We're like, hi, where are you? We just, well, I'm Jamie Warren. And she was like, I don't have you in the computer. I'm like, it just got through. And she was like, oh, there you are. Boop. It just pops up. She was like, okay, well, I'll let you know if there's seats. Two minutes later, she's like, come on in. There's seats open. Oh, my God. And this is a Dallas directly to Oklahoma City flight, right? So we're on. We're in the plane. At this point, we've made the flight. We're super excited. But Lucas is we've been up since three. I mean, it's just like the worst, like the worst. We're sweaty. We're hot. We're hungry. We're tired. We're frustrated. We've been running all the things. And he starts crying. Oh, but no. I just wanted to get in the cockpit with dad. Oh, no. Like it was like the worst of the worst. And I'm like, I'm trying to console him, but I'm also hungry, tired, sad, angry and all the things. <laughs> but we're on a plane. And I was like trying to be cool. Like at least we're on a plane. We're heading home. Like we're, we're made it. We, we were going to have the worst time ever if we didn't make this fight. So anyway, back of the plane, flight lands. We're in Oklahoma City. We're the last ones to leave the plane. The very last, because we're in the back by the bathroom. Again, when you fly standby, it's not glamorous. Like, it's not like first class. It's like you're in the back. So we make our way out, and the dang captain is standing by the cockpit, and he's still saying goodbye to everybody. And he was like, hey, little man, you want to come in the cockpit? What? You ever been one? And, and this captain grabs Lucas and was like, hey, buddy. And, of course, Lucas isn't going to be like, well, my dad. He was like, 
sure. Okay, great. Thanks. And the guy puts Lucas in the cockpit, throws his captain hat on him, gives him a pair of wings, gives him a like a laminated card of the so type of airplane and details. obviously the gate agent said something to him. No, no, it's just it's just Delta is awesome with kids. Somebody will, uh, Chad huh. said, I do that to kids all the time. I'm like, sure, you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, like This guy was awesome. And I've been talking to him about his plane. I get Lucas up in the front. I'm taking pictures of him in the cockpit. It was like the greatest. And then we land in Oklahoma City 10 minutes before Chad. So we sprint down to his gate. We watch him come out and we scare him. Lucas is like, watch, we got to hide. We got to hide. So look, Chad finally makes his way up the tarmac, up the, up the little shooting and chad lucas goes captain <laughs> scares chad it was awesome and i can't believe we made it 10 minutes before chad and the dang delta pilot lets lucas go in the cockpit i was like we don't need you we've got delta and lucas was like dad i'm not gonna lie i think delta might be better <laughs> it was like the best smack talk it's like we had the best experience on delta airlines so anyway my you husband were lucky airline. too because uh, over the on like friday delta canceled like a thousand flights for a computer oh, error you were lucky uh, the whole thing i can't believe i'm sitting here right now not gonna lie or that or that my <laughs> i didn't know credit you could fly is. standby on a different airline so what it is like when I have when I want to fly on Chad's airline, I look at this app and it tells me how many seats are available and all this. Well, you can see what the other flights are, but they don't tell you how many seats. They have a smiley face, either a smiley face, a middle kind of face, like where the like mouth is straight, or a frowny face. And this one had like the mouth is straight oh. kind of thing. But you don't know how many other people are on standby that, that fly for Delta because Delta people are going to get priority. first priority. So we're like the very bottom, the bottom of the barrel. And um, apparently the medium frowny face paid off because we booked it and we made the flight and Lucas got to go to the cockpit. No thanks to Chad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, well done. I'm glad you got back. I'm, I'm really glad you got back. Yeah, yeah, I was I was sweating. I was sweating, man. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to have this kid. And I've got like, oh, geez, Louise, it's going to suck. It's going to suck. I'm going to have to call people in Dallas like, guy, can we stay with you? I've got to Uber you. I, was like, I didn't even know what to do. I mean, I don't even know if there was flights on Tuesday, but there was none on Sunday or Monday that we could have got. Anyway, it was awesome. Thank you um, for Chad did organize it, but Delta was Pretty rad, not gonna <laughs> lie. <laughs> you know what else is rad? Cosequin ASU joint and hoof pellets contain quality ingredients to support joint and hoof health and leave out the fillers, molasses, and alfalfa, all while delivering the taste horses love. The colors of our ingredients shine through for a difference you can see. Visit CosequinEquine.com. So we had a chance before we get to our, our ADA recording, we had a chance over the weekend to go out. Uh, Zach, remember Zach, the guy who's clearing our property? Everybody needs a Zach, like everybody yes. needs a farm boy. Everybody needs a farm boy, everybody needs a Kevin. Yeah, yes. all the things. Everybody needs a Zach. Well, we met Zach out there Friday afternoon. He has he has been done, he's done pushing down trees uh, and clearing the property now he has to pile it all up and what they do here is they dig a hole and they burn it all um so that has to happen yet this week and then it'll begin seeding so jennifer's got the seed coming in and uh property look it came out really good I, we Aww. weren't sure what it looked like because it was completely covered in trees and overgrowth um and he showed us a picture of the uh, about six and a half seven foot rattlesnake he killed 
Oh, uh, which nice. was absolutely enormous. So I said, uh, and then we walked around the property to see if there was any other trees. And I said, are there any more? And he said, I think I scared him away with the bulldozer the last two weeks. So he was pretty confident there were no more. Um, but it looks great. The house will sit up on one side of the property, and it does drop off. I think we have the only hill in the neighborhood. Uh, it kind of drops off. The only off. hill in Florida. Yes. <laughs> Scooter will get some hill work in. He'll, he'll, uh, he'll be buff by the time he's done living there. So that's all all good. We ordered the barn. Should be uh, all all things should be happening in the next you're, couple of months. You're growing up. I'm so proud. I know it's it is fun. It's fun to it's fun to do. Uh, it's a fun project for eventual retirement. And I did test Starlink. So I got a Starlink because there's no cable or anything out there. So, you know, if we're going to do this show from out there, I needed reliable internet. And I tested Starlink, and it worked. And it was Yay. it was good good numbers, so I think we'll be able to do the show from out there too. So that was all good news. You know, every time we go to Ada, Ada and Wisa is the trade show where wholesalers meet retailers and manufacturers go to meet retailers, and it's over three or four days, and it happens twice a year. And I was just there a couple of weeks ago, uh, and I always pick out a new product of the show, a product that I really like that I think is going to help not only horse women, but horse husbands. So it has to be a horse husband approved product. And it has to be somebody who's a entrepreneur who basically it's their first time they ever invented anything. And Jamie will tell you some of these people that we talked to and we had on the air now are running companies that have multiple products and are doing very well. And then others didn't make it, but, but some did, and some have done very well. I met Kat Gunther there, and she didn't even have a booth. I met her through one of the salespeople at Equine Network, and the, the salesperson said, you got to meet her. She's young, and she has this product she invented. And I did a quick interview with her because I gave her the horse husband product of the show. Oh, no. I'm at uh, Ada, and I love highlighting brand new companies that I've just heard of from the first time, especially entrepreneurs with a new product that solves a problem that I have. Yeah. So that's why I have Kat here. She is with Rapstar, yes. and it is a brand new product to the market. And I'm a horse husband, been a horse husband <laughs> for 35 years. We go to horse shows or at home. And we get very few jobs that our wives trust us to do. You probably know that, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. So one of the jobs that you get is filling hay nets, which is an absolute nightmare, and I just hate it. I hate it, too, and I, yeah. I'm a horse person. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, it's yeah. just awful. Uh, <laughs> the other job is at a show, uh, they, your wife tends to take the wraps off the legs quickly, and uh, they want you to roll, wrap them up, roll them up. Yep. And I never roll them up properly and always <laughs> get in trouble. Yeah. And you're here to solve my problem. I am here to solve your problem because <laughs> I, I didn't roll them up properly before. And I used to show horses for about 10 years. And, and what wrap, kind of wraps are we talking about? No, like let's polo, clarify. The, polo wraps. Yeah, yeah, polo wraps, standing wraps, because I used to use standing wraps at night and yeah. then polo wraps when you were just practicing or whatever. So I wasn't rolling them right. And inventors use them all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Dressage people, yeah. reining people, a lot of people use yep. them. But I was not rolling them right. They were loose. They, it just was. It took forever. Yep. So I thought to myself during quarantine, I'm like, okay, how can I solve this problem? So I started sketching. And then Rapstar was born. So, so what is it? Describe it. It is a product under two pounds. Okay, it's very lightweight. It's portable. And it re-rolls your wraps. So it's kind of hard to describe without the picture. But it's basically this light plastic material. And then a little metal rod that goes through the armholes 
and you just put your Velcro in there, slide it through the little U-bar, and just start rolling. I saw this in action, and it's so slick, and it it's, makes them perfect. My wife would even yes, approve. Yes. Uh, but the nice part is this is very portable. You can hang it over a stall door. You can hang it in the trailer, yes, wherever. Yes. The patented technology of it is that you can hang it over basically any kind of width from, I think we have it at a half to two inches, um, and it's adjustable. So if you get to the show and you put it over the stall and it's not tight, you just take your little screwdriver and make it tight. And the, the, the key to this, too, is not only is it make them perfect, it's mm-hmm. 10 times faster. 10 times faster. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just we boom, had, boom, boom, you're done. We had a customer buy one, and somebody in her barn was like, okay, I can wrap faster than that thing. There's no way this little device that's so lightweight can just... On her leg, like everybody does. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. And so they raced and took a video and sent it to me. And at the end, the lady who hand-rolled hers was like, I just got defeated by this little (laughs) roller because it wraps so much faster and tighter than you can by hand. If you're a groom for multiple horses, you need to have one of these in your barn. You need to. Uh, Just no question about it. It's just It makes life 10 times easier. And I am so excited that it was somebody who wasn't a large corporation, who just saw a problem. And, you know, we think all the problems in the world are fixed, right? No. Yeah, it's these little annoying ones that really need fixed. Exactly. 100%. No, it was just a college kid during quarantine just started drawing some stuff up and now we have a patented trademark product that people love. Where can people buy it? Equineredefined.com. Equineredefined.com. Yep, as well as on Amazon. All right. And the name of the product is Rapstar. Rapstar, yes. You'll find it there. We'll put a link to it in our show notes as well for this episode. And it's a great Christmas gift. Wonderful Christmas gift. Wonderful. But it's definitely show dad approved, show husband approved. And website again? The Website again? Oh, website again. Equineredefined.com. Well, next up, we have Raymond Dwight, who co-authored The Jockey and Her Horse, inspired by the true story of the first black female jockey, Cheryl White, who happens to be his sister. And this was co-authored by a friend of the show who's been on many, many times, and that's Sarah Maslinier. She's the New York Times reporter and author. She's come on our show many times about her various books. Good morning, Raymond. Good morning. How are you guys doing today? Good. You know, when we talked to Sarah about uh, chatting about this book, he said, she said, you don't need me, you need Raymond. So <laughs> we appreciate you doing this with us today. Where did your family grow up? Uh, we grew up in Rome, Ohio, um, Ashtabula County, which Ashtabula County is famous in Ohio for being the largest county by land and the smallest county by population. Uh, uh, we grew up on a 400 acre horse farm and, um, you know, we were country kids. We were, my sister and I both, we were country kids, grew up in the country and, and deep in the middle of the snow belt. So, so, so how far apart were you and your sister? Who was older? She was older. Um, I said eight and a half years. She would say nine years. Um, <laughs> we went back and forth on that, but it was actually something like eight and three quarters. So, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah. So now your dad was a trainer, right? A horse trainer? Yeah. Yes. Yes. My father was a trainer for, oh, he was a trainer back in, starting in the, in the mid twenties, late twenties. He was a jockey, um, like twenties, like, like 1920s. Gotcha. Um, so yeah. And, uh, he was a trainer in, in, gosh, he was in the, he was a, about 65 years in the business and, um, he was still galloping horses up until he was 84 years old. He was still galloping eight to nine horses a day. So, um, was a tremendous horseman. And, um, if we, he, if we, the joke used to be that he forgot more than we knew. So, um, that's incredible. Yeah, so that, I mean, yeah. wow. 
What makes yeah, me feel he was like a wimp for quitting at 20 because I was like, <laughs> this is hard. Oh, yeah, he, he, yeah, he used to, his quote was, racehorses was a lazy man's job. And I never did figure that out. Yeah, I can't <laughs> so, figure that out either. <laughs> it's seven days a week. He said, you're not punching a clock. And, uh, he said, you don't punch a clock and uh, it's seven days a week, but he's, he always said it was a lazy man's job. So I, I disagree I with that part. any horses are a lazy man's job. <laughs> any of the no, disciplines. <laughs> I, I, I guess what he means is if you love what you do, it's not work. Yeah. So that's probably what he meant. What tracks were he, was he racing at then living in Ohio there? Well, he we're living in Ohio. I mean, my father was... He had, uh, he'd been all over. I mean, the main track as we grew up as kids was Thistledown, but he ran at Penn National, Finger Lakes, Commodore Downs, uh, now defunct racetrack in Pennsylvania called Pitt Park at the Meadows. Uh, but previous in his previous life, he'd been at Churchill Downs, Chicago, all the Arlington Park, Sportsman's Park. Uh, my father had actually had a horse in the Kentucky Derby in 1932 wow. and a horse in the Kentucky Derby in 1944. Um, and what I had probably not thought about as a kid, um, but as Sarah pointed out that my father ran a horse in the Derby in 1932 when he wasn't allowed to sit in the grandstands in 1932. Oh, oh wow. So that was, of course, I never thought about that as a kid. It never, never occurred to me. No, you just grown um, up but, on the know, farm, right? Huh? Yeah, you yeah. grew up on a farm and, um, you know, out till from sun up to sundown, you know, but and then it was hard to come inside at sundown. So we like to be out, you know, out outside. So, so. was he the trainer on record <laughs> of the Derby entry or did he just work with? Oh, the yeah. Organ- oh, my God. Oh, no, he, was a, he was a trainer. He was Let a trainer on record. Something, Mr. White, mm-hmm. your next book yes. needs to be about your daddy. Oh, no doubt. I, I yeah, there's no <laughs> doubt. Um, my father um, had a horse, two horses in the Kentucky Derby, he had one in the Preakness. Um, I remember as a kid seeing an article about my father had a horse named Kings Bay. Kings Bay won a $50,000 race in Chicago in like 1944, 1946, some some year like that. Which, of course, today, that's equivalent to about a million-dollar race. But, uh, he, so, there could um, not have been very many African-American uh, trainers at that point. Well, I'll tell you, I thought the same thing. I thought my father was one of the first African-American trainers, but through research and history and learning, um, I found out that uh, racing was a black sport. There were a lot of black. The four, four black trainers won the Kentucky Derby before 1900. Yeah, and back um, in the, 18, and the 1800s, I knew that. Most of the jockeys were, yeah, bl- were black. Yeah, too, most of the jockeys were, so were the trainers. Yeah. And the uh, 1940s, there was an article I saw in Pittsburgh, Churchill Downs, uh, Kentucky Derby Museum sent it to me. Um, it was about a trainer, a black trainer who had been – a trainer at that point in the forties for 50 years already. And um, so, you know, my father just, there wasn't a lot. I didn't grow up with a lot of black trainers, but I know that my father was, uh, um, he was well-respected in the industry. He was considered one of the best horsemen anybody ever knew. And he um, did not run horses on drugs. He did not use even the legal drugs. He didn't use Butte, Lasix, nothing. He didn't run them on anything. You need to write a book um, about your of, father. We need yeah, that book he, right now. <laughs> <laughs> he took care of horses. He took care of them holistically is what we would call that today. Um, he made his own poultices to pull inflammation out of their legs. Um, he just did things the right way. He listened to the horse. And and one of the things that I 
remember as a kid, we had a horse that won a race and we were, and we were going to the test barn because you always have to test after the race to make sure they're not on drugs. Um, I said to my father, I said, when are we going to run him back, dad? And my dad said, we'll run him back when he tells me he's ready to run. And I never forgot that as a kid that he listened to the horse. So uh, if that was two weeks, if that was a month, if it was six weeks, he would not run a horse until the horse told him he was ready to run. Your job is at this point, a family historian. You have to tell these stories because, I mean, this story of your sister is amazing. Let's get to her a little bit. So she on the track with you guys as well. Oh yeah, she grew up around all of it. I mean, we 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 um you know we learned from the best, and uh, um you know my sister was an amazing horsewoman, a jockey, and a horsewoman. So, but she um, you growing know, she, up, she, I, she had to hurdle in that there was no female black jockeys at that at that. Oh, point. there were none. There were. I mean, none. there were barely female actually, jockeys. Well, I was just getting ready to say that she was actually one of the first of the first wave of female jockeys. Um, so she was in that first wave. Now I was nine years old when she started riding. So I was kind of oblivious to the whole, I knew the historic part of it, of her being the first black female jockey. However, um, the whole turbulence in this country at at that time, I I wasn't really akin to what year were we talking there? 1971. Okay. So we're just coming out yeah, of Vietnam so, or we're in Vietnam and the whole, 60s oh, yeah. and all of that. Uh, you know, uh, uh, you had, you had all kinds of people in the country. Yeah. I actually learned that through a documentary, which is ironic. And I, I know that's kind of, I'm going off course with it, but it was, it was a documentary called No, No Doc, No, No Doc, No, No Documentaries about Doc, Doc uh, Ellis of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Um, he, and they, this documentary showed all that turbulent turbulence that was going on in 71, 72. And I was just watching that, just my jaw dropping. Cause I was thinking, Oh my God, my sister was riding, becoming the first black female jockey in the middle of all of this. So the, what she, the turbulence, I didn't know all that was going on, but why that was so interesting to me was Dave cash of the Pittsburgh pirates. He was the second baseman of the P- Pittsburgh pirates when they won a world series. I found him in the grandstands at Pitt Park at the Meadows when my sister was a jockey. My sister was such a household name that Dave Cash knew who, who she was. And I somehow went up to him and I said, hey, my sister's Cheryl White. He goes, really? I go, yeah. I said, would you like to get in a win picture if she wins a race? He said he would. And I have that win picture. Oh, my God. He got, he, she did. She won a race and I drug Dave Cash down to the winner's circle. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and. And ironically, I always thought it was my dad's horse that won the race. When I looked at the wind picture, I was like, who is this trainer? I have no idea whose horse this is. <laughs> I just took Dave Cash and barged into somebody else's wind picture because my sister was their jockey. So, um, but it was ironic that Dave Cash knew who my sister was, but she didn't. I, I assure you, she did not know who he was. <laughs> she, she, so, pure horse you know, girl. She didn't know. She oh, didn't pure care. horse girl. Yeah, she didn't know. She didn't care. So. Uh, but no, it's, uh, she, she, you know, I asked, somebody asked me, I've been asked the question many times, what's one word that you would use to describe your sister? One word. That one word is always, I always come back to fearless. She was fearless. She was fearless in her endeavor to become the first black female jockey. She was fearless to keep doing it, uh, in spite of whatever pushback she got from people. Um, just 
be 18, 19 years old to go out to California, that she had to be fearless to do that. You know, being a country girl, I mean, we grew up in the middle of nowhere. We were country kids. We didn't, you know, going to California on your own. Yeah, you know, that took some guts. So I come back to that. And, and in riding in races, she was fearless. I mean, she'd take a horse and stick her nose up in that hole and go in between horses without without hesitation. So, And you know. this book is about really about her start, right? It, it goes through the yeah. start and how she met. I don't want to get into too much of it because I want people to read the book. But how sure. she, she met Jetto. Um, and yeah. that horse is really the horse that got her into being a jockey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Jetto was uh, – he was the favorite horse of all of us. I mean, to, to have him immortalized along with my sister is absolutely amazing. Um, he was a great horse. And uh, um, so – and that was our first winner. She won three or four races on him, but it, that was the first horse she won on. Well, how how long did she ride? 21 years. Wow. Yeah, 21-year career. And we just lost her recently, not too long ago, right? Four years ago, 2019, um, unfortunately, she had ba- asthma. She, I'll tell you how tough she was. She drove back from from California in 2017. She would come back here to work at Mahoning Valley Racecourse. But she drove back, stopped at my son's house. And I guess she was complaining of some pain she was having. My son calls me. He goes, hey, call your sister. And so she's got something going on. And, and, and she knows how hard-headed she is. I said, so I called her. And I go, what's going on? She goes, oh, I just got some pain up here and a little tightness in my chest and blah, blah, blah. And I, she said, I've had it for a day or so. I said, so you had it while you were driving from California? She's like, yeah. I said, hey, how about you go to the emergency room and find out what's going on? I don't need to go to the emergency room. You know, I'm fine. I said, can you just uh, humor me? Do it for yeah. me. So she was like, all right, I'll go. She went there and they go, oh, you're having a heart attack. And so uh, she drove across from California, back to California, back east, while having a heart attack, a mild one at the time. Um, they put a stent in through her wrist, and then she was good to go from there for a couple of years. Well, fast forward two years later, she had an asthma attack. She had really bad asthma. She had an asthma attack. She called 911. They came really quick. They got there within three to four minutes. Um, but by the time they'd gotten there, she'd had a second heart attack and she was unresponsive and it took mm-hmm. them 15 minutes to revive her. And, um, she stayed in a, uh, she stayed in a coma for six months. Oh, wow. And, uh, yeah. So ironically she passed away from the same thing our father did an anoxic brain injury. So, um, but yeah, that was, uh, and we, you know, there was a time we thought we, we had a chance and it just, it was just a unfortunate circumstance. You know, it's, um, uh, I don't even know what to say about it. It's, you know, I guess God works his hand and, you know, they, they, they say in mysterious ways. So, well, um, you know, you, know. you couldn't have picked, I can't wait to read this book. I, uh, I have my copies on the way. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, did Sarah uh, approach you about doing the book? Is that how it happened? Or did you approach her? She did. Yeah. She reached out. We had a GoFundMe out there, um, which we haven't, uh, and we had a GoFundMe out there. She emailed me through the GoFundMe. And, um, cause you can contact me through that. And she, um, she contacted me and called me and said, Hey, I'm a New York times reporter. I just got a, uh, an original copy of the jet magazine. Your sister was on the cover of in 1971, which that magazine, she actually, um, several people were on cover of the magazine that year. 
different magazines that year. Um, I think Muhammad Ali was on there, Aretha Franklin, I think uh, Angela Davis. There was a lot of people that she shared that she had the dignity of being on the cover of these fa- very famous people. But she said, I got a copy of that magazine and I'm a, I'm a Cheryl White fangirl is what she told me. <laughs> and I really want to write a story about your sister and blah, blah, blah. And I, so I was like, you know what? We're having a race at Mahoning Valley race course in three days. They're having a race in her honor. And um, she says, oh, I'd love to come to that race. Can I come to it? I go, yeah, you can come. And she says, I want to bring a photographer. So she came and brought a photographer. And we just connected. Um, when she interviewed me and interviewed the family and we met her, there was just an instant bond. Um, it was like we'd known her forever. And um, we just connected. And it just kind of went from there. She was like, hey, we need to do a book on your sister. We need to do a documentary, a movie. Um, and all of this has kind of taken on a life of its own. Yeah. Well, I want to um, end on that. So we'll tell everybody where to get the book, but is the documentary movie. I heard rumors. Is that a go? Um, we have a, uh, we do have a production company that is, um, we have a pitch deck on it and it is, um, it would be, we'd be more of a go if we weren't in the middle of a writer's strike. Everybody's on strike. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So that's kind of holding everything up. But we've got some really um, strong people that are interested in it. We've got some really good support, and we've got some real good momentum. And I, I believe it'll get. It's going to get it done. With, get made. I, don't think I mean, gonna, my God, it, it'll a, get done. This is a this yeah. is a real life story. That, you know, there's been so many of these movies out there about you know the girl losing the farm and you know going to the dressage show right. and winning big, uh, which we all right. know doesn't happen. Here's a case where it's right. real. Right, it's a real story. Well, yeah. yeah, and I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. And if I can, if I can help you end on a note, yeah. I had an interview from a magazine, a newspaper interview in Saratoga, and the the the, the lady who was wonderful who interviewed me said, she said she'd been researching black jockeys, and I said to her, in your research, let me ask you a question. In your research of black jockeys, did you come across my sister? And she told me, no, I had not. Mm. And I said, and that is exactly why we're doing this, because there is no way there is no way that when you research black jockeys that you should never come that you should never you should always come across Cheryl White when you're researching black jockeys. So um, and that's kind of she put that in her article, too. So it was in the Daily Gazette there in Saratoga. And uh, it was a really wonderful article she did. So I am just as 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 a person that has two brothers, I am just my my heart is warm hearing you talk about your sister with such, I mean, like I, I, my brothers, I could do whatever. My brothers just would never think twice about complimenting me ever. And here you are speaking with so much pride and, and love. Wow. I just, it just, it's awesome. I, I see the movie. Wow. I, I think Letitia Wright from Black Panther, she's your sister. Oh, she's going to play her and it's going to be awesome. <laughs> I, I got the whole thing in my mind. So you just call me afterwards. We'll go, we'll get some stuff done. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. <laughs> Raven, Looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us. The name of the book is The Jockey and Her Horse. You can find it anywhere. We'll put a link to it in our show notes as well. Uh, we really we, appreciate this. And we also have a website if anybody okay. wants to find out more on Cheryl White. Um, the Cheryl White Project.com. Um, that is our website, the Cheryl White Project.com. And also, you could, we have an Instagram, the Cheryl White Project at Instagram. Um, there's all kinds of information that we, we've uh, put up on Cheryl. So it's very, uh, very informative. All right, great. So. We appreciate it. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. You have a wonderful day. Appreciate talking to you guys. Thank you.
The PhD equine nutritionists at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science. Their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They are dedicated to the scientific method, but it can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horses live their best life. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. That's horseinnovation.com. It's time for the weekly look at your equestrian first world problems. This ought to be good. Well, there was a lot of uh, submissions this week, Glenn, but also um, a lot of real problems. So I'm not going to cover those because they're actually problems. What we want is your equestrian first world problems. And if you want to participate in this, you have to become an auditor. And I go up on the Facebook page uh, every Sunday and just ask you what's going on in your world. And so if you want to participate in this, become an auditor. How do they do that, Glenn? Just go to horsesinthemorning.com and click on the auditor banner and for as little as $3 a month. You too can participate. All right. Well, we're going to start with Diane. Uh, she says that finally having our own farm where we get to live with our horses is fabulous. And Glenn, you're going to be there very soon. She says that is except for the fact that now we have to go find a farm sitter so we can go on our cruise to Bermuda this winter. <laughs> Believe me, I've thought about that. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're going to be back in the back in the business. Oh, I believe me, I've thought about it. Uh, Andrew says I just sold two saddles in my collection. But I already bought another I don't need. <laughs> I've been really good about selling some saddles recently, but I have a anybody needs a Devaku 18 inch Makila, I've got I've got it for you. <laughs> I can't seem to sell that one. Uh, Nicole says my horse and I competed in our third aquathlon. Am I saying that right? Aquathlon. Equathon. Aquathathon. <laughs> I don't know. I always get uh, it wrong too. I we in, had somebody on about those recently. I think it would be great to have her on. She says, my horse set a personal record. She was such a good girl and wasn't even phased when we saw a bear. See, we need to have her on. You know what that is? It's the ride and tie thing where you you ride part of the race and then you run part of the race. You tie your Mm. horse and run. Not for you. (laughs) <laughs> it makes sense because she says, but I'm so sore. I haven't been able to move all weekend. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. <laughs> it, it makes sense now. Yeah. Uh, Janelle says the weather is finally feeling like fall. And my horse pulled two shoes. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't just pull Carrie, one, had to pull two. Had to pull two. Uh, Carrie says, I'm so, she put a picture of this beautiful bay, dapply, gorgeous horse in the, in the, in the feed and, and says, I'm so afraid my horse's beautiful dapples are going to go away when he grows his winter coat. You guys complain about summer. Now you're complaining <laughs> about winter. Oh, we're in a, for a whole winter full of complaining, I think. I think so. Laura says, I rode a horse I have for sale today out on the trails, and he was so awesome. But now I don't want to sell him. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Jamie's life. (laughs) Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh, Sandy says, My thoughtful horse husband got me a Pivo for my birthday. I don't really want to compete and. I don't want to ride poorly. So now I have to learn technology and work hard to ride better. (laughs) (laughs) You see a lot of comments about people trying to figure out their Pivo. Uh Uh-huh. YouTube is a wonderful thing. YouTube. Yeah. 
Kaylin says, I have a horse show hangover and I didn't even show. It was my stupid daughter's show. She didn't say stupid. I added that. <laughs> uh, Celeste says, I leave for a two and a half week trip abroad on Friday morning. So, of course, my gelding did just t- picked a great time to do some unknown thing to his leg. And I'm trying to figure out what I have to do. Why must they do these things to us? <laughs> And it's always the horse husband left home to deal oh, with Oh, are you leaving on a trip? Cool. Hold my beer. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, Kathleen, Kathleen, I have some advice for you after this, but I'll read her problem. I woke up at 530 in the morning. It was still dark. But when I do that, I have to turn the bathroom light on and it wakes up our donkey who then lets you know he's awake by being loud enough to wake everybody in the entire house. And the only reason I turned the light on was I wanted to see if the toilet seat was up or down. (laughs) You need a tiny little nightlight. They make those. No, they have. I have it in Lucas's room. I found it because he would flip the light on. Then he would just be awake. So it's like this little light that goes underneath the the, toilet seat. seat, And it's different colors. Do they work? Amazon. Yes, we've had it for like five years. <laughs> and it sits under a toilet seat. And it's either like when you, it's motion detector. So it, it turns like it all lights the toilet up red or blue or green and like changes colors when you're in there. It's, <laughs> but at night, it's really cool. Uh, so check that out. It's an Amazon like toilet seat. Color yeah, changing. Like, it's like an as seen on TV thing. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's I've had to change the battery in it. It wasn't my favorite job, but like it works <laughs> and you don't have to turn the light on because let me tell you something. I have cussed out my husband more than once for him leaving the toilet seat up and it's middle of the night and I go sit down. I need one of these lights for that exact reason. If I fall in the damn toilet one more time, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. He's getting better. I've it's gotten better been at that years. too. I'm not as bad as I. Don't. We all went through that stage, and I think. Well, no, I used to be polite about it, like, oh, oh gosh, oh, I said, like, oh, I fell in the toilet. Now I'm like, because <laughs> there's nothing like the water on your butt to wake you up. <laughs> oh my god, it's the worst. And so now I'm like, if I'm going to be awake, everybody's going to be awake. <laughs> You're going to rethink this. Um, <laughs> Jen says, "When the show I, isn't only about horses, it's about life. No, it's about life. It's about it's about life because we're all living it. And let me tell you something. Maybe I could talk about how awful having periods is. Can I just no, no? We're going to continue there? on now with first world. Problems. There's a first, there's not that's a real world problem. We're not allowed to talk about. That oh, right you're right, you're right. My bad, my bad. Okay, so Jen says, when I adopted, you think at 45 they'd be done, but they're not. Okay, when I adopted <laughs> Roharan, which is the horse that she adopted for me, his name was Beggar. I told my husband that I would get a job if I didn't sell my other horse. Ooh. Well, I started riding my other horse again, and now I've decided to keep him. So now I have to get a job but if we get a job i'm not gonna have time to ride two horses <laughs> uh, yeah by the way when she adopted him she was like yeah i'm gonna sell my other horse she was like asking me for help and now i see her posting about that horse more than the horse she adopted jen what's going on <laughs> april says my body has yet to adjust oh give me the tiny violence for this one my body has yet to adjust to my time zone after being in the netherlands for two weeks at the fei driving world championships Shut up, April. Nobody wants to hear. <laughs> Listen, if you have to go to work and you're like, I, oh, I'm so jet lagged from my time in the Netherlands, somebody's going to hate you. <laughs> I saw lots of the pictures and it uh, looks like she had a wonderful time over there. Yeah. She says it feels like a dream now. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it does. And nobody, 
nobody's feeling sorry for you right now. Uh, Katie says, I've been riding a 13 three-hand pony all summer, and I just bought a new horse. And she's beautiful and sweet, but she's tall. And now I have to start using mounting block again. <laughs> uh, Melissa says, I bought a four-year-old. Oh, believe me, the mounting block gets more important the older you get, too. It's true. Mm. It's true. You're not getting no, on any horse without it. 13.3. I'm like, where? <laughs> why have you been block? using one? <laughs> uh, Melissa says, I bought a four-year-old and he's acting like it. Listen, Melissa, let's have a chat. Just call me. It's Donnelly. She bought Donnelly. So what is he doing? Why is he being naughty? I don't know why. Just let me, just call me. Uh, Kayla says, I really want to get worm flooring for my trailer, by the way. Still awesome. Oh, yeah. You still like it? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's amazing. I did because I am like, I do have like crazy thoroughbreds that come in that I put like little rubber mats where they paw because they get in there and dig. And I'm like, don't you mess up my floor. (laughs) I'm not Um, sure it would, but. I don't know if it would either, but I'm not taking a chance because I love my floor. Um, And by the way, I'm keeping my trailer so much cleaner now. You just hose it out, right? You just clean it and hose it? Oh, well, I actually clean it after oh. the answer. <laughs> yeah, that'll just, go. That will only last a month. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's um, like that new car you're not going to eat in, and then in two weeks you're eating in it. There's French yeah. fries in yeah, the exactly. seats, you know? Exactly. <laughs> but she says her truck just got new tires last week, and the trailer needs new tires before the spring, and oh. so she's going to have to wait. But, like, you know what? Just get it. Just credit. Just put new, on your card. New tires are tough. Oh, man. Especially trailer tires. Allie says, my trainer went to a bit fitting clinic over the weekend and came back with tons of bits for all her students to try while we're all finding good fits for our horses. And my mare basically went, which one's the most expensive? I'll take that one. And she's like, now I have a figure bit. (laughs) $300 later. Well, thanks, you guys, for submitting your equestrian first world problems and your real world problems. And I apparently submitted mine. I broke my own rule. Sorry about that. Um, But yeah. Again, you just become an auditor and look for the post. And if you have become one and you haven't found it, how do they become uh, get on the Facebook page, Glenn? Uh, if you become one and ha- or haven't joined us yet, just search for HRN Auditors. On By the way, you have to answer questions yes. to get in there. All the weird mm. people that are like going in there There's and like a lot not of them answer. What's going spammers, on? I think recently too. Yeah. So yeah. I think Facebook is being inundated with spammers right now. Yeah. Uh, there's fun. a lot going on on our Facebook page uh, the, for Horses in the Morning, too, that we have to clean up. <laughs> Jennifer's like, where are they all coming from? <laughs> Some um, foreign country somewhere. No. I, hey, uh, I have a first world problem. So, you know, the lot we bought, I just talked about early in the show. Is it a first world equestrian problem? Because yes. we don't want your first world problem. Because the lot in the, is going to be equestrian. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot beside it that, that, right beside us that has not been developed and is just woods. And we were thinking that it would be there for 10 years like that after we moved in. And then we found out today it's up for sale. That's because they were like, hey, look, some sucker bought <laughs> I mine. You I should think that's sell what yours. it was. That one sold for that price, and so we can sell ours. So we can't afford to have a house and a second lot. So we're thinking that we kind of need the house. So we want somebody nice to move into right beside us. So if you want information about a five-acre lot that's for sale in the Question community, which has direct access to about 100 miles of trails in the Gothi Forest and the Black Panthers, let me know. <laughs> and I will get you the information. We want somebody nice to move in. They have to be nice. If you're not nice, you can't move in. Not allowed. Good luck uh, with that. All right, that's it for today. We'll be back for, or we'll be here. Stay here. What am I trying to say? Auditors, hang around. 
We're going to talk about. I want to say something real quick because it, 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 I keep missing it, and the shows happen. You know, we we lost the great Bob Barker, oh, yeah. and he was such an advocate for animals. And if you guys remember, I say spay, neuter, and geld. Well, I I got that from. From Bob Barker, because he always ended every Price is Right episode with always remember spay and neuter your pets. I just added the geld thing because we're horse related. But Bob Barker was an animal advocate and a great man and really um, had a lot of the same. I mean, obviously, his entire life foundation at the end of the show was to get people to spay and neuter their pets. And I'm, I'm very much on board with that. That's kind of like what my mission in life is to encourage people to do that and geld their horses. So uh, I know he died a couple weeks ago, but I, I just kept missing shows and stuff. So anyway, in honor of the great Bob Barker, spay, neuter, and geld. <laughs> 